The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Amazing, and I want to welcome you back if you've been part of our 2020 vision series that we're doing. We're doing this series on 2020 vision, not just because it's a new decade, but we want to see really clearly and hopefully get a vision from God, have a, a vision or a direction, uh, have an understanding of life purpose or destiny in our lives. And, uh, you know, since we started the series, I've gotten to hear from some of you about the vision that God's given you. And it's really exciting. I'm hearing some stories like, I really believe God wants me to do this. And other people are saying, I really sense it's time now for me to do that. And it's really exciting to hear what God is putting in your heart that you sense you were designed to do, part of your light purpose, part of your calling, part of your destiny, some intentional things. It's really exciting. And as a church, we want to help you walk in the fullness of whatever that calling is, whatever God is calling you to. We want to help you and prepare and equip you and come alongside you to see your God-given vision come to life. But I, I don't know about you, but I believe when you are walking in the things that God made you for, I think that's the very definition of success. I would say the definition of success is walking out your life in the very things that God called you to walk out. That would be success. In fact, we started our series looking back at a guy in the Bible who really thought he was successful. He went through life and he thought he was very successful. He was even boasting about how successful he was. And maybe some of his friends thought he was successful. But at the story Jesus is sharing, God enters the picture and the guy realizes, oh my goodness, this isn't success at all. And so many times we're looking at life through the wrong lens and what we think might be successful is not successful at all. But I believe if you're walking in your God-given calling, if you're walking in the things he made you to do, if you're walking in a way that gives God the glory, that is the very uh, definition of success. And I wanna talk to you today more about success Specifically this way, um, some of you have a sense already about the dream God put in your heart. Does anybody in the room have a sense of calling that God put? Show of hands. Okay, so some of you do, some of you do. And this is what's interesting about the way God reveals things. Some of you has a, have a sense that I, I really think God wants me to do this thing or he, he wants me to minister this way or to this demographic of people or it, you know, through the arts or whatever it might be. Some of you have a deep sense of calling hardwired into your heart. It's a dream you have on the inside that God wants to come out on the outside. That's beautiful. Some of you, it's not really on the inside. You're praying for vision and you're looking and you're like, I think, I think it's that, whatever that thing might be, whatever that thing is. It's a, a, a sense of vision rather than a, a sense of an internal dream. But here's the thing. I realize there are some that do not have that sense of vision or that sense of a dream. And, and I want to talk to you specifically today. If you don't have that sense of dream, that sense of vision, how can you be successful if you don't really understand your calling? And, and I mean this sincerely because there's many. I know many friends who uh, are asking for this revelation, this insight, this dream, and they don't have the answer. So in the meantime, how do you walk out life? How do you walk out your faith when you don't actually have the dream on the heart or the vision on the outside? And this also applies to those of you in the room who have the dream on the inside, have the vision, but guess what? 
it's not going the way you thought it would go. Has anybody had that experience? You, you thought the dream was going to roll out this way. I mean, that's what the dream was, but it isn't working that way. Or you had a vision for this, but it doesn't seem like it's happening that way. And maybe you missed your season, you're thinking, or maybe, uh, maybe God's changing the plan. So no matter where you're at in this matrix of having a dream, having a vision, or simply not knowing, today we're going to talk to you about how to be successful no matter what. No matter where you are at on this pendulum of awareness and understanding of calling and life purpose, no matter what, you can be successful with these two key scriptures uh, that Jesus shares with us uh, that have a lot to do with your success. And, And again, what I mean by success is living life the way God called you to do, because how many of you know At the end of our lives, um, if we're living to the audience of one, everyone say audience of one, if we're living to the audience of one, he's going to say to you one day, well done, good and faithful servant. How many want to hear that, right? Other people, it doesn't matter what you accumulate or what you do or how famous you get. If God doesn't say, well done, good and faithful servant, then that's not success. Would you agree? It, it just isn't success. It won't amount to success, right? So, so let's look at it through God's lens. And I want to share a couple of key scriptures. The first one this morning is Matthew chapter 6. Uh, there's a typo in the bulletin if you have it. It's Matthew 6, verse 25 through 34. And uh, this will help you keep your course and walking at success no matter what. Whether you know your vision, whether you don't know your vision, whether that dream's coming true or it seems to be hindered, whether you have no awareness of a dream or a vision at all and you're trying to figure it out, this will help you stay on course for success and purpose through God's, God's heart. And so Matthew chapter 6, let's read this passage together. Some of you are familiar with it. I love this passage. Um, it starts in verse 25 and it goes like this. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life What you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field, they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how the clothes, if if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which are here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink and what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So this passage is pretty profound to me. It's, it's, it it, it, it kind of separates a lot of things. It helps us see really clearly Uh, Mainly, many people in life go through life concerned about the pursuit, uh, concerned about, uh, am I successful? Am I doing what God made me to do? Am I stepping into opportunities? Am I missing things? Um, And and so we're concerned about these things, and some of these things weigh on our heart, like, I I thought it was going to go this way, but it's not. 
And, and some of you, you realize that. Maybe you're in a season now where, where things aren't going the way you thought they'd be going or in the timing that you thought things would roll out or the sequence that you thought would naturally happen. And so we do worry about these things. We sometimes in life get stressed out over the way things are rolling out or the way things are not rolling out. And Jesus sees that. He sees that on the faces and the hearts of his people. And that's why he's addressing this to uh, uh, his disciples around him. He's like, guys, listen, I'm gonna tell you what God's realm is like for believers. All believers are in the realm of God. When you say yes to Jesus, you enter the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not just heaven when you get there. It's the realm of God here and now, and you enter it through Jesus. And most of what Jesus taught is about the kingdom of God, and he's talking about what it looks like for those who are in it. And for those who are in it, this worry thing will rob you of everything God's calling you to. The the, the worry will weigh you down. It will burden you. It will stress you out. It'll distract you from the very things God wants to do in your life. And so many in life, when it comes to matters of success, are stressed or worried or they're striving and they're trying to get to somewhere and they've got this thing that they're carrying. Uh, Many people worry about getting there, whatever that there is. Uh, I had my move to L.A. for music, playing all the Hollywood clubs with Beverly Hills lawyers representing us to the record labels. And for me, I wanted to get there. I had a there. And my there was this record deal. And I'm going to go after everything until I get it. And I'm, as a guitar player, and I'm going at, that was the there for me. Many of you have a, a there in your life, whatever that thing is that you're maybe aspiring for. But a lot of people worry along the way about getting there. And Jesus is talking about, listen, I'm gonna, Jesus says, I'm going to include everything in your life that you worry about. And the passage is relative to the first century about everything people worried about in the first century. But Jesus is being kind of cumulative in this thing. He's saying, I'm talking about everything people worry about. Everything you worry and stress about, everything that loads you down and worries you about getting to the place of what you think you need or what you think you have to get through and the stuff that weighs people down. And and he's talking about the things like just our life in general. What will my life look like? Is my life looking the way it should? What about our actual looks? People spend so much time worried about their looks and some people are worried about their looks. Some people aren't. Some people aren't worried and should be a little worried about their looks, right? Like people who don't comb their hair or something or put on deodorant. I'm kidding. But uh, um, some people worry a lot about their looks. And Jesus is like, why, why are you doing that? Jesus would say, you're wonderfully and fearfully made. You don't need to worry about your looks. But some people spend so much time, instead of walking out success in the kingdom of God, what God made, worried about their life, about their looks. Some people, it's their finances, just worried about their finances all the time. Maybe it's a recurring theme. Uh, Maybe one of these are you, and I think this is exhaustive of everything he's referring to, but this is some of them, our life, our looks, our finances. If it's financial burdens all the time recurring, think about this as you. Uh, Sometimes it's our possessions. He's talking about possessions in the passage. Um, He's talking about our future, Many people worried, I'm supposed to be there and I'm not there now and am I ever going to get there and maybe I missed it and we're worried about this dream, this vision or whatever God wants to do or we thought he was going to do and we're not there yet and we, maybe we missed our, our boat or something or we're thinking, did I miss my window of opportunity? Uh, these are all very real things that the human nature worries about 
and Jesus is addressing it head on. Some are worried about our future. Some are worried about retirement. Like, well, how am I going to retire? What's that going to look like? Jesus is addressing all of these things in this passage. All these things that weigh us down, all these things that stress us out, everything uh, we worry about. And um, at one of our men's group recently, you know, we were, we, were able to, excuse me, we were able to talk about this topic. As men, we were saying, what are, the, what are the, one of the top things that we worry about as men that we stress out about? And, and not one of the guys said their looks. I'll just tell you that. The guys weren't looking, I'm worried about what I look like in the mirror. Uh, that wasn't like on the top. But you know what the men were worried about? The men, and we, we all shared this, we all kind of shared this same burden, we all worried about the feeling of not being successful in our life and for our family and everybody around. Any men can relate to that, right? Like, like success, like really, like, like going after it and the family being really proud and, and somehow moving the mark or the needle and some, whatever that thing might be. For the men, that was a big weight. That's a big burden. And a lot of men carry that burden. Um, you know, women sometimes carry that same burden or have other burdens. But the point is, we were all realizing, you know what? That is. The weight of not being successful or successful enough feels like a big load. And it's something that guys carry around often as a worry. And Jesus is addressing all these things. Your life, your possessions, your future, your retirement, your goals, your aim, what you think is success, all of this stuff. And he shows up and he shows us how to find success in all of these things. Everyone say all of these things. All of these things. Now this is profound. This is one of the coolest scriptures in in the Bible because Jesus is addressing all of these things. Whether you know your vision or you don't, whether you have a dream in your heart or you don't, whether you've come to terms with your calling or you haven't, um, doesn't matter. Anything that weighs you down and loads you down, if, you are, if you've said yes to Jesus and you're trying to walk out life in a way that makes him smile, this is for you. Anything that worries you in any way, shape, or form, it's pretty comprehensive. And, and it starts out, and if you're a note taker, I encourage you to take a few notes, talk about them later, pray about them, because these, I think, are a couple of breakthrough passages with some really breakthrough points. Uh, and then in this new year, And in this new decade, I believe all of us need these keys from God's kingdom uh, in Scripture. And the first one is this, start worrying less and start trusting God more. Start worrying less and start trusting God more. Jesus says about worry, it doesn't add a day to your life and it doesn't fix a thing. It doesn't change a thing. And he says, don't do it. So worry seems like an option in the life of a believer, but Jesus is saying, stop. If you're worrying, Jesus is saying, stop. And you might say, well, you know what? I got stuff to worry about. You know, if, if God knew my stuff, it's, it's worth worrying. And Jesus is like, no matter what you think you're carrying, or no matter what load you think in front of you, worrying will not help one little ounce. It won't help one little bit. In fact, he's talking about, and we're going to unpack it in a minute, trusting God more and worrying a whole lot less. So some people are robbed from success and fruit in their life because they're worrying too much and they're not trusting enough. And Jesus is like, you've got to flip that around first. You have to stop taking everything that you're worried about and flip it around towards trusting God with that thing. And that thing could be anything. It could be your finances. It could be your relationships. It could be your health. It could be whatever. He's talking about this, again, this pretty conclusive uh, areas of our life that weigh us down and burden us, 
just like it did people in the first century. You see, our nature really hasn't changed. We are exactly like the audience in the first century. We've got these worries and doubts and fears and concerns in our life that weigh us down and get in the way of what we thought was supposed to be successful. And, and, and Jesus is like, I see you, and it's robbing you. This worry is robbing you. Worry less, trust God more. This is where things begin to turn around, I believe, uh, success we will find in the eyes of God. So how many of you know we live by faith, right? So if we really live by faith, we got to put our faith to work. We got to start worrying less. Takes no faith to worry. (laughs) Takes no faith to worry. But it takes a lot of faith to trust God, especially when you have a situation that's a legitimate one, a legitimate one, a child, a loved one, a sickness, whatever. I mean, these are all very real things, very real burdens that we carry in life. But again, it's not whether we carry them, it's what we do with them as we carry them. And and the worry will rob you, it'll rob me. Um, So the next step to success is very important. Uh, The next step to success, before we unpack the fullness of this passage, because it is like a golden nugget in scripture, um, the next step comes from being selfless. Everybody say selfless. Selfless. This is so important, guys, because I am a firm believer that Selfish people will never truly find success. Selfish people will not true, not true success, not, not in the lens of God. Selfish people will not find success. Selfless people will. The passage we looked at a couple weeks ago about the guy who thought he was successful, his lens was completely selfish, and he thought he was successful until God entered the picture, and it exposed everything for what it is. Um, selfless people tend to walk in the things God's calling them, and and live in a way that makes God smile, where God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. But, but we have to come to terms with this sort of thing, because this is something, guys, if you're walking with Jesus for any amount of time, even if you're new in the faith, this is one of the key things uh, that is essential for you to grow. Uh, just like a child, and you know, we have five kids, and every one of them, um, you know, you had the play dates. It started with the little mommy and me stuff when they're really little and then sandbox stuff and playing with toys or Tonka trucks or Legos or the girls with the, whatever it is, whatever it is. Um, the kids get together. And what's interesting when you put them together at a young age, um, it, it's pretty interesting watching whether they will even play together. And if they'll play, how will they play? And, and one thing most parents see with, with children in general is children tend to be a little selfish by nature. Has anybody experienced this? Um, Because they're young, of course. The world revolves around them, right? They want food, they yell, they cry. It's around them. Um, They don't revolve around the world. Their worldview is the world revolves around me and I am the center of my universe. This is a child's worldview. And so because of it, uh, they are very selfish by nature and they have to learn how to share. They have to learn to be kind. They have to learn, and this is part of growing. Here's the thing, adults, adults need to learn the same thing. Sometimes adults maintain that childlike thing where it's about me, like the story Jesus taught us a few weeks ago. The guy lived his whole life, dreams and success through the lens of me, myself, and I, and it wasn't success at all. So sharing is important. In fact, speaking of toddlers, we have a, what are referred to as the property laws of a toddler. There are property laws, whether you know that or not, they have a, their own set of laws. And this is how it goes. If I like it, it's mine. If it's in my hand, it's mine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. If I had it a little while ago, it's mine. Uh, If it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. 
Uh, if I'm doing or building something, all the pieces are mine. Uh, if I'm doing, uh, if it looks just like mine, it's mine. Um, if I saw it first, it's mine. And if you are playing with something and you put it down, it automatically becomes mine. And the last one, if it's broken, it's yours. Uh, but sometimes even that, they would say it's mine. These are property laws of a, chi- of a toddler. Um, this is the way they think. This is what they really fundamentally believe. And here's the thing. If we're going to be big people in the Lord, if we're going to grow and walk in success through the lens of God, we got to come to terms with selfish and selfless things. Because again, you'll never find success through the lens of God unless we grow into being selfless. I don't, I don't think it can, it's kind of like a contradiction. Selfish people will never find true success. So this attitude can continue through life, just like with children, and block the very blessing and block the very success that God wants for you. Again, I want to quantify success in the eyes of God when he sees you and you see him face to face. He's going to smile on you, standing up just like Stephen in the book of Acts with his arm up stretched out, saying, well done, good and faithful servant, with a beaming smile on his face. I want you to picture him smiling at you because that's the picture we see with Stephen. Just this beaming smile of joy. And, and the statement is, come and enter into the Father's happiness. Happiness. Everyone say happiness. I don't know if you know that's the picture. But when you see him face to face, it's not, here's my list of stuff and I got to do some business with you. If you're thinking that, you got the completely wrong view of the Heavenly Father. Um, it's going to be about engaging through Jesus what he did to you, the Father. And yes, he's going to review things in our life and there's rewards and all these other things. But it's this context that if we live for his glory, success in his eyes, there's this well done, good and faithful servant. And that would be success. So the second point this morning, and Jesus focuses on this point exactly, is that if you want success in all areas of your life, put God first. If you want Success in all areas of life, put God, no, God first. Now, this is a spiritual law. He's saying that if you do this, I will do this, and God doesn't lie. And this is important because some people find themselves in a relational situation, and they go, why is my relationship like that, or this guy I'm dating, or this girl I'm dating, it's not really good. It was God first in this. Well, no, but they were cute. Well, I get it, but, but if God wasn't in the mix, then we didn't even give God room to move. Does that make sense? We said, God, we're keeping you out of this. Does this make sense? God, we're putting you out of this area of life. We're just going to handle this on our own. And God's like, okay, if you want to do that, that's great. God's not first, and maybe there's no blessing in that. And why would we be surprised? Does that make sense? When there's a spiritual law that says if you put God first, he will do these things. But, but if you don't, we're sometimes surprised. This could be anything in your life. Uh, this could be, you know, finances. Why am I fine? Is God first? Well, no, but... Well, well, he says, put me first and watch what I'll do. This applies to everything. Uh, and I want to thank you again. You're here on the first day of the week on a Sunday, which is, you know, what the church has been doing. Even being here is a, is a representation of you putting God first. You could have gone playing golf today or gone to the beach or snowboarding. You could have done a lot of different things, gone to the mall or hit the gym or get ready for throwing a football party at your house or something. Um, but you came to God's house. You stopped and you said, I'm going to do this this morning. And this is, this is one of these steps of putting God first that when you do, I believe your whole week will go better because you put God first in your time this week. Does that make sense? 
because you put him first in your time and honor him, I believe you're going to see the fruition of that in the, in the rest of your, your week. But it says specifically, the, the scripture I want to focus on is Matthew 6.33, and says this, and again, this is one of these amazing golden nuggets of scripture regarding everything we worry about in life, and everything is everything. He says, here's the, here's the cure. Here's the solution for everything you worry about, everything that stresses you out. Everything that you think is going to get in the way of success in your life. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. God's like, I got you. I see you and I got you. You put me first, you're covered. Put me first, you're under my protection, you're under my provision, you're under my blessing. You don't put me first, I love you, but you opted to go out there and you opted to go across the street and down the block and, and I wish you would come back. And God's saying, come back all the time. He says it with Israel. He says it in my life. Has anybody ever got the, the voice of God saying, come back? Huh? Come back to your first love? Yeah. Um, and he's like, can you do what you did in the beginning? Can you come back? And we're constantly coming back. So no one's arrived. I haven't arrived. I don't think anyone in the room has arrived. I've yet to meet anyone who's arrived. Paul, who was raising the dead and writing half of the New Testament, says, oh, I haven't arrived. Um, no one's arrived, but the point is we're always coming back and he's always calling us back. And this is one of the areas of coming back to putting God first uh, in our life. It says this in the New Living Translation, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Uh, God's Word Translation says it this way, but first be concerned about his kingdom and what has his approval then all these things will be provided to you as well. So saying, God, I want to put you first, and God, what do you endorse? What do you improve? Because that's what I want. And God's like, wow, you, if you're willing to do that, I got you covered on the rest. Now, many people, myself included, uh, when I was offered this offering of the gospel and life in Christ, when it was offered to me early on, before I was a believer, I thought, no, I'm not going to take that offer, and here's why. I didn't think God had something better for me. I thought I had something better for me. Has anybody ever thought that? I, I was convinced my way was going to be better than God's, and I wasn't ready to step into his way because I wasn't sure of what the future might be if I stepped into, into the kingdom of God, if I committed to this thing. So I heard about it, but I wasn't stepping over the line. And, and, and that was the biggest lie of my life, to not step in and trust God. But um, many people still have that concern that that. that if I trust God, what will the future be like? And God's like, everything you worry about, I will, I will handle it. Walk with me in this thing. Trust me, and I see you, and I know what your needs are, and I, and I know about your life. I know your future. I know about things before you even ask. Trust me, and, and we'll walk through this, and you will f- walk in, in success. So to seek uh, the kingdom of God, what does it really mean, practically speaking? If I'm going to seek the kingdom of God first, because this is a key, seeking first the kingdom of God is a key aspect to everything we're talking about, success in God's eyes. What does it practically mean for you and I to seek first the kingdom? The first step of seeking first the kingdom is absolutely coming to terms with this. And guys, you, this morning, you know if you, if you said this and you meant it one day, only you know in your heart if you have not said this or, you, or if you said it and didn't mean it. And only you know if you said it, but you're not living it anymore and you need to say it again because remember I said we always have to come back to, 
to him, and I'm constantly adjusting my course as well. I trust you guys are as well. And it's quite simply this. It's our third point this morning. This is what it means to seek him first. That God is first, and I am second. God is first, and I am second. If you haven't said that, and you don't mean that, or you said it and didn't mean it, or you said it and forgot about it, or drifted away from it, this is what having a Lord is all about. Jesus can't be Lord if we're first. It's a contradiction. Jesus can only be Lord if God is first and I am second. And so I don't know if you, if you live your life this way, but this is the only way we can seek first the kingdom. And it might be a struggle because the flesh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And there's things in our life and impulses and desires and things we're chasing after. And this is a thing we work out with trying to walk in the spirit and the battles of the flesh. I get it. There's a tension going on this side of heaven. However, it's got to be a, a mindset. And, and I would suggest this is a decision you make one time in life. How many times do you make this? One. You make it one time and then you manage that decision for the rest of your life. You don't get up every day and go, is God first or me? Is God first? You don't keep going through your life. I think today I am. No, maybe tomorrow. No, you make it one time in your life. This is a once-in-a-lifetime decision, and you simply follow through on it. You manage this decision for the rest of your life. You remind yourself of the decision you make. If you get off, it's okay. God is gracious. He's got a lot of mercy. You get back up, and you go back to this decision. But it's quite simply that God is first, and I am what? I am what? Do you believe it this morning? Because this is what it's all about, guys. You can't seek the kingdom of God first if we're not second. And, uh, and again, I want to encourage you. We're going to pray at the end of our service. If you haven't uh, really made that declaration in your heart, then we're going to be able to do that when we close today. Because honestly, guys, this is where it begins. Everything else is just learning about God. It's learning about this historical Jesus. It's learning about what God's done in people's lives. It's learning about the kingdom. That's great. That doesn't get you in the kingdom. We don't get in the kingdom by learning about the kingdom. We get in the kingdom by having a king in our life, amen? A king who kicks the door wide open for us. A king who says the gates of hell will not prevail. A king that says, I love you and I pursued you and I'm coming after you. And if you turn and follow me and accept me as your king and my provision, you are in the kingdom and the gates of hell won't prevail and no weapon formed against you will prosper. It happens through Jesus, not learning about him or being around those who do. It comes with God is first and I am second. It comes with a declaration. It's that important. It's that monumental. And uh, otherwise, we just have some form of some kind of cultural Christianity. And, and that's not the game changer that Jesus is calling people to. He's calling people to a game changer, a paradigm shift. And that paradigm shift comes through quite simply, God, you're first and I'm second. And, and I'm good with that. Because you see everything in the world. You see the, the end from the beginning. And I don't. Uh, you formed me in my mother's womb. I didn't. You know what you put in me. You know what you orchestrated for my life. I don't know. You, you know. you know the days of my life. I don't know. You know all these things. I don't know. So guess what, God? You're first and I'm second. Does that make sense? Otherwise, we go, God, actually, I'm first. Help me out. Help me out. Answer my prayers. Bless me. But actually, saying that we're first would be a contradiction for this. Jesus said, look, if you do this, you'll be successful. It's a spiritual law. That's if you really want his will before yours, if you want his ways before yours, uh, if you want what he says is right living. He's talking about living righteous. Everyone say right living. Right living. Like, hey, we all, we all mess up, but, but am I aiming at right living? Am I trying to aim at right living? 
Or, or if we're going, God, I'm not checking in with you on that. I don't actually want to know what you think about that. I'm doing this. That's not putting God first or seeking righteousness. Righteousness would be, I, I want to try to live the way you want me to live, God. What is that? And if we fall short, again, he's got truckloads of grace and mercy. You get back up and you go back to him, right? This is what the kingdom's all about historically. Um, and so this is a spiritual law, law and it promises our success. And listen, if you're not sure about this, I would encourage you to test him at this. Say, Lord, if this is a spiritual law, uh, that if I put you first, you're going to uh, handle these other things. Uh, maybe I haven't tried it, but I'm going to start trying it now. Uh, maybe you've been in relationships that didn't work out. Okay, I'm going to start with putting you first in my relationships. Uh, maybe it's decisions or business decisions. Uh, okay, well, starting now, God, I'm going to put you first in my business decisions. Uh, maybe it's in your finances. Uh, and and those are kind of in a mess. Okay, God, well, let me put you first in them. And if you want to see God's hand move in these areas that he offers, then put him first in what you'll see. Now, here's our final key this morning. This scripture we shared was powerful. It's the last one I want to share with you. We're going to wrap up this morning, but this is profoundly powerful. It's Luke chapter 16. And this is a final key uh, to success. I, I really believe uh, this is in success no matter what. Whether you know your dream, whether you don't know your dream, whether you have a vision, whether you don't have a vision, whether you have a dream and it's not going the way you thought, or you have a dream, uh, vision and it's uh, not working out the way you thought or the timing you thought, no matter what, walking this way, living this way, you will find success in the eyes of God. It says this in Luke 16, verse 10. We have it for the screen. Um, up here as well. It says this, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property? give you property of your own. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So this passage is really powerful. Uh, it's bringing up some really key things. Again, Jesus is sharing. He's teaching on the kingdom. This is what the realm looks like for people that are God's citizens, God's children. This is the way we live. It's how we operate. It's how we, we engage um, and he's talking about being entrusted, and the context here is being entrusted with God's property. Um, and Jesus brings this up in some other parables too, where he talks about uh, the property. And he's saying, glaring right here, we can't serve two masters. We can't serve God, and we can't serve money. Why am I bringing that up in this passage? Because some people's success the thing, remember I said that, that thing they're going after, there's a thing, whatever that thing is. Some people don't say it out loud, but in their heart, it's the f- number one thing. And sometimes that number one thing is just money. It's just money. And there could be a conversation about God. There could be a knowledge about God. Uh, there can be a sincerity about things about God. But at the end of the day, the number one thing, it's still money. And Jesus is saying, I know a lot of people operate that way. Uh, money happens to be the currency of our world and people kind of can get out of some problems with it and it's a useful tool and it's, money's not evil. He never said money's evil. He said the love of it is, right? Everyone say the love of it. 
the love, the love of it. And this is the problem. There have been many who've gotten hijacked and ripped off along the way, not because of money, but because of the love of it. So in their pursuit of success, it wasn't really God first. They might say, oh, God first, but really it's money. Money is first. And money is the aim. And success equals money. And and listen, you can't uh, have success in the kingdom of God if really money is number one. God can be number one, and he can bless you with finances along the way. There were plenty of wealthy people in the Bible, and there was others who were not wealthy at all. Money is not the factor of God's blessing. You can't quantify blessing strictly through money. That would be a total confusing way to try to look at money. All I'm saying, Jesus is like, you can't, as a fact, you can't love God and love money. You're going to pick which one is first. And, and there have been people in the faith for a while who started to elevate, remember we start, we start out with God, right? God, you're first and I'm second. And over time, sometimes they go, well, actually I'm first. And then they start to go, money, I'm going after money. And, and I've seen this happen sometimes and it really breaks my heart because people start to take God off the throne and put something else there, whether it's fame, whether it's fortune, whether it's something with themselves, it's not God anymore. And maybe it's money and, and start to go after something. And Jesus is like, it doesn't work that way. You can't serve God and serve money. You've got to choose one or the other. And, and he's saying right here that everything matters about this because, listen, if you can be trusted with little, you can be trusted with greater. This is Jesus saying that. If Jesus can trust you with little things, he can trust you with greater things. So he's saying, and this comes up many times in Scripture. It's not just Luke 16. He shares this, this promise, this concept, this principle of God's kingdom that God wants success in your life. Again, be careful how we quantify success, but he wants success in your life. But listen, it, you gotta be faithful with the little things. Everyone say the little things. You gotta be faithful with the little things because many of us, and I've uh, you know, heard this shared before, well, if, if I win the Oscars, uh, then what I'm gonna do for God, you know, and if God blesses my business and makes me a millionaire, well, guess what I'm gonna do for God? You know, and, and there's a lot of this kind of thing going on. Yeah, well, someday, somehow, if God puts me here, then I'm going to do that. Listen, Bible's a, di- a contradiction to that idea and thought. The Bible is saying, if you're faithful with little things, little things, and sometimes we're not faithful with little things because we think us oh, just little things. And we're, not, we're worried about the big picture, and we're not worried about the little things. And Jesus is saying, I, I actually see the little things, and you've got opportunities all around you right now. You have opportunities for success around you and around me right now. And guess what they are? They're the little things. There's opportunities through little things all around us that will poise us for success in God's kingdom because if we're faithful with these little things, we will get to be faithful with with greater things. And I would suggest to you, uh, this has to do with your time, how you use your time, the little things in your time. Uh, Your talents, what are you doing with the little things in your talents? Your treasures, your money, what are you doing with the little thing? What, you, you got, what are you doing with this? Your plans, how you make your plans. Uh, if you're faithful with little things, you'll get to be faithful with greater things. And this matters because we're talking about success, guys. And I think there's so many people who disregard all the little things because they're going after this thing. I'm going after my dream, get out of my way. I'm going after this vision. I think God made me for this. I don't have time for this other stuff. And they're going after this thing. And Jesus is saying the kingdom doesn't work that way. And guess what? That's not how I graduate people. 
the Lord would say, I don't promote people that way. The way I promote people is the ones who see the little things and want to be faithful in the little things because those ones deserve promotion. He's looking through the lens of a faithful father saying, I love all my kids, but who's being faithful with the little things? Because if you're faithful with those, you got a promotion coming, God would say. If you're faithful with these, you're going to get raised up. If you're faithful with these, doors are going to be open. If you're not faithful with this property, how can you get your own property, he's saying. If you're not, do you see what he's saying? If you're not faithful with that money, how are you going to get this money? If you're not faithful with the property you're entrusted with, how are you going to get your own? I mean, this is the concept here. It's like, and everyone's like, yeah, well, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about that thing out there that I'm going after. And Jesus is like, guys, if you do that, you're missing the whole heart of the kingdom. You're missing success. You're missing life purpose. You're missing destiny. You were made for great things. And God knows better than you and I do. And it's going to come through faithfulness. Everyone say faithfulness. It will come through faithfulness. And you and I have to be faithful what's in front of us. I remember some of the worst times in my life doing ministry. Honestly, the worst. Um, I went into plenty of jails, prisons, penitentiaries, stuff like that, Skid Row. I was doing youth facilities, and I'm, and I'm working, you know, all week, you know, 60 hours, and I'm staying up at night working on Bible studies and stuff, and, and then going into these youth facilities. And sometimes it would work out great, but other times, you know, I get there, and, and all of a sudden the van is pulling away with all the kids in it, you know, and I'm like, wait, God gave me a message, and we, I put so much time into this, and I really prayed a lot about it, and I know God wanted to do something in the van, poof, just dust. I'm sitting on the porch like with my Bible and just poof, cloud of dust. I'm like, that's it? That's my night? It's over? Wow. And you get a little confused like, God, what, what's the point in all this? And, and you know what God was saying quietly at the time? Be faithful with the little things. Be faithful with the little things. Because if you can't do that, there won't be another opportunity over here. In your job, whatever you do, be faithful with the little things. Be faithful with the little things. If you're not faithful in those, God can't level you up, okay? Uh, but find it, be faithful with the little things, your time, your talent, your treasure, your life, your decision. Be faithful so that he can make you faithful, uh, allow you, grace you with faithfulness to more. So the fourth point this morning and the final one, if the worship team would come up, this would be great. Be faithful now with what you currently have and then God will trust you with more. Be faithful now with what you currently have. Not, yeah, someday I will, because that's usually the answer. At this point I will, but not now. Uh, no, now. Be faithful now with what you currently have. And that's why he brought up the widow's might. He's like, what, what's, what's, what's a couple of nickels? That's like laughable. And Jesus goes, oh, no, no, no. It's not laughable. It's actually profound. Well, why is it profound? Uh, because she's faithful now with what she has. Not someday when I get the lottery, I'm doing this great thing. Uh, that's just the grandiose idea. But it's not faithfulness and it's not promotability and rewardability. Jesus says in Matthew 25, 23, literally faithful with little things will get you to be faithful with greater. Uh, excuse me, Matthew 5, um, 25, 23. And so success, guys, comes through faithfulness. Success in the lens of God, through the eyes of the kingdom, what you were made for, your design, your purpose, destiny, things that will bring you fulfillment. The things that when you check out of life and you look through life in the rearview mirror, that you have a big smile on your face, saying, I am going to see him face to face, and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, and guess what? I ran my race, and I don't have any regrets. And there's going to be others that are going after something, and then one day they're going to go, oh, snap. 
I spent all my time going after that and now I'm leaving this world and that's where it left me and it's going to be like, oh, that's actually not success at all. And what I'm hoping is we look through the lens of Jesus where we're like, life has purpose. Life, we're on mission. We're living for God's glory. We're living for the things he made us for. And this is what it's about, guys. This is really what it's about. So I want to close in prayer right now and ask God to seal some of these things in our hearts this morning. Um, so so uh, would you guys uh, stand with me right now? I just want to, let's do business with God right now. I know this message like this turns the soil in our hearts a little bit. Lord, we come before you this morning. I thank you for the word and the power of it. Everything starts here. Success starts with saying, you are first and I am second. And I just pray right now for anyone in this room who has either not really said it or not really meant it yet or it's been a while and they need to go back to that with everybody's eyes closed and head bound. Would you just raise your hand if that's you this morning? Does anybody need to say, God, I am second this morning. I need to make that declaration. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I just want to pray with you. Amen. Anybody else? I am second. The Lord sees you. He's pleased. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else this morning? I'm second, God. I'm sorry. I took first place. I'm second. The Lord sees you. He's pleased. Mighty God, we make that declaration to you publicly this morning that I am second. I'm not first. Forgive me for taking first place. Maybe today's the first day I'm actually saying it. Or maybe I need to say it again because (laughs) I took the lead. I was driving. I was sailing. I was charting my course. I was being the pilot and the captain and the traffic control. I was being everything. I never even checked in with you, God. I was pursuing my own view of success. I never even checked in with you, God. I was looking through the lens of me, myself, and I, and that's not success at all, God. I just pray this morning for everyone who said that, Lord, that forgive us for that. Forgive us for taking the reins, God. We want to walk with you. We want to stay in step with the Spirit. You are first and we are second. And God, in that context, I pray for all of us in this room, all the areas of our life that we worry about, even the worry about being successful or being what you made us for or the vision of the destiny, all those things, God. I just pray this morning that we would stop worrying and start trusting you. I pray this morning that we would put you first. Show us how to put you first in our time with our talents, our treasure, our decisions, our relationships, all these things. Show us how to put you first. Show us how to seek your righteousness, which is meaning really right living. How do we seek the right choice and the right living in this crazy world that we live in, Lord? How do we live differently like hauled out sons and daughters? God, I pray for everyone in this room. Show us how, because you said if we do that, all these things, all these things we worry about, all these things we stress out about, all these things we might lose sleep over, all these things we wonder if they'll ever happen. And pro- You said, I'll handle all of those. I-, I got you. I see you and I got you. And you're saying, I will handle this for my children if they put me first, Lord. And lastly, in the closing, Lord, I just, we need to ask you, Lord, in the privacy of our own heart, Lord, how am I doing with the faithfulness test? You promote people through faithfulness. You promote your children through faithfulness in little things, the things we disregard and look over because they don't seem that important. And you're like, oh, it matters. Promotability is based on it. I can advance you. You can start moving in steps of success and I can raise you up in areas and things and opportunities and property. You use all kinds of context here, but you gotta be faithful with what's around you. So Lord, 
Even in that area, Lord, we, we repent for lack of faithfulness. We repent for overlooking little things that actually do matter according to you. And Lord, I pray these things would start to matter to us. I pray you would show us how to be faithful in the little things. And Lord, if we have been faithful, if we have been faithful, uh, like Laura and Fernando, who we just acknowledged today, who have been so faithful in serving you and loving you and your people, show us, Lord, how to stay the course. That yes, we're faithful, and yes, we're trying to put you first. But Lord, show us how to stay faithful. Stay faithful. Not faithful for a day or for a week or for a year. Show us how to stay faithful to you, to stay the course. Not say, well, I was faithful once, and maybe I'll be faithful. No, to stay faithful. Show us how to stay faithful, God. We want to stay the course. We know promotion awaits those who stay faithful to you, God. So I just pray for a blessing on everyone's week, everyone's life, every, any burden, anything that people are worried about today, anyone in this room that has a worry, that, Lord, you would banish their fears in the name of Jesus, that your perfect love casts out all fear, that any fears in this room would subside and the grace and the power and the love of God would reign in our life. And we would trust you because you are good. We thank you for these things. And we ask him in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.